Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. I am so excited about spending this time together with you. I titled this message, The Easter Tree. And I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Joe, you've got the holidays wrong. It's Christmas tree, Easter open grave, he comes out, he's raised from the dead, you've messed up. Uh, and, and, and I want to say this to you. In the Bible, trees are more connected to Easter than they are to Christmas. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, trees aren't even connected to Christmas, but they are connected to Easter. Now, I'm not advocating that we get rid of our Christmas trees. Gina and I will put up a Christmas tree this year, and here's what, here's what I'm hoping Christmas looks like this year. Can you agree with me on this? I'm hoping it stays fall until December 23rd, and, and then it snows December 23rd, 4th, and 5th, and, and we have our snow, and then spring begins on December uh, 26th. How many of us can agree that that's going to be an incredible Christmas? Can you all agree we deserve it after this year? But no, tree, trees are really, really connected to Easter, and uh, I think this statement says it all. Mankind's problems began with a tree. All of our trouble began with a tree. And I remember when I was in junior high, and uh, we, my mom and dad used to make us play in the backyard, and they, they just were really protective. And so all the neighborhood kids would come to our backyard. We had a good-sized backyard, and our backyard was basically like a big bear spot because uh, we were always running and doing all kinds of things in it, and Dad could never grow grass. And one year, he decided to plant some fruit trees in our backyard, and he planted a pear tree right in the middle of our west end zone because we used to play football there. And right in the middle of the west end zone, he plants a pear tree. Now, this tree was only about four feet high, maybe an inch and a half in diameter uh, with the trunk. But Dad said, I don't want you playing near this tree. I don't want you near this tree. We said, Dad, that's our end zone. We, 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 he said, just go, go west. Don't go east. And we're like, Dad, we got to go both ways. We kick off and so on and so forth. And so he told us we weren't allowed. So we began to go one way. And one day, Dad wasn't home and Mom wasn't around. And the neighborhood kids were all down. So we decided to play some football and we decided to kick off and go both ways. So our team had the ball at one point, and we're going towards that east end zone, the pear trees, the touchdown. And, and uh, so we're going towards it, and my brother Mike was quarterbacking, and, and I'm going out for this pass. They called my number. So I'm, I'm sprinting out, and he releases the ball, and I see the ball, and, and, and it's coming right at me, and I've got my eye on the ball. I'm running with everything I've got, and just as the ball hit my hands, I caught it, but at the same time, I hit the tree, ran right into it. As I turned around, there's the tree, and boom. Now, I didn't bounce off. I went through the tree, and uh, I heard a crack, and it wasn't my leg. I turned around, and the tree had cracked in half at the bottom. All the neighborhood kids said, we got to go, and they, they took off. <laughs> they did. All my brothers start leaving, and I said, you guys got to stay with me, and then Mike's leaving. I said, Mike, you got to stay. I said, you're the one that threw the ball at the pear tree. If you would have threw it in a different place, I would have never. Mike said, see it, Joe. And he took off. He said, you ran the tree over, not me. And so uh, I don't know if duct tape was invented yet. I don't think that it was. But I went in the garage and got masking tape and electrical, that black electrical tape. And I tried to tape the tree, hoping it would keep growing and dad wouldn't notice. But I couldn't get it to stand upright. 
and dad did notice and that particular summer uh, I was grounded for a whole month because of that pear tree and when mom and dad grounded us in the summer no TV we weren't allowed outside to play all we did was we could do chores and they gave us extra chores and I was allowed to read and thankfully I loved to read I read all 32 uh, Tarzan paperback books that year and I think almost all the uh, Hardy Boy books also so at least I had that to do we could say that Joe's summer problems began with a pear tree and they did but guess what mankind's problems began with a tree and 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 that made problems for every single one of us the pear tree only bugged me what mankind did with a tree it impacted every single one of us and we're still dealing with this every one of dealing with this problem every single one of us in this room so I want to open up in Genesis 2 and I want to read a scripture to you it's verse 8 and and it reads like this this is the tree that wounded us Genesis 2 8 now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil now I want you to imagine this garden it had to be spectacular I don't know it had to be uh, you know I don't know 20 square miles big something like that just a huge garden tens of thousands of trees and in the center God highlighted two trees he highlighted the tree of life and he highlighted uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil I, I just imagine he had spotlights on them there was only one of each the other trees all the different varieties th there were hundreds and thousands of each of those different varieties and I think of uh, I think of the the nuts and the fruit things that are now gone that are extinct to this world I just think of the incredible food that was there then I got to thinking this is paradise on earth it's the Garden of Eden there had to be chocolate candy trees and uh, there had to be donut trees and ice cream trees and guys there had to be uh, charbroiled steak trees I mean and I would have went to the one that was medium rare this is paradise and none of these things would have calories or fat or anything harming but they would be delicious we wouldn't have to cook we would just grab it off the tree they had all these incredible trees and I want you to notice with all these trees the one thing that God said as we read on to Genesis 2 and verses 15 through 17 it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it and the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it you will surely die mankind's problems began with the tree and this is the tree right here the tree of the knowledge of good and evil now, I think this is fascinating they could have eaten from any of the other trees two special trees the tree of life the tree of the knowledge of good and evil they're spotlighted one of a kind and they never took a bite of the fruit of the tree of life and we know that to be true because we know that God put angelic beings around to protect it we know that one at one point he took it back up into heaven because we see that it's in heaven and we'll look at that verse in just a moment but they chose to take a bite out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and according to the Bible they died and we know they didn't die physically because they continued to live but they died as we say it spiritually and they became sin stained and separated from God as a result of eating from that tree and 
I think it's fascinating when you think of the choice they made. And oftentimes I, I, I've thought, man, uh, too bad Adam and Eve did what they did. And then I thought, well, what if I was Adam? I'd, we'd be in bigger mess. I would have did way worse than Adam. So uh, I think all of us would have messed up at one point. But take a look at the tree they could have eaten from. Revelations 22, 2. It says, on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. This is an incredible tree. We'll, allow, we'll be allowed to take a bite from it in the future when, 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 all, you know, when God ends everything and we go into that eternity state. We'll be able to bite and eat this fruit. But I think it's, it's amazing. Even the leaves are medicinal. Even the leaves bring healing. But then take a look at the crops. That's even more amazing. Uh, every month, the fruit ripens. That's phenomenal. Every month you have ripe fruit. It just keeps ripening over and over again every month, a new crop. And this winter, Gina and I looked at each other, and we were eating, eating these scrawny apples, and we just said, I can't wait for apple season. I'm so tired of these scrawny apples. I want to eat a big, juicy, tasty apple. And think about this tree tasty apples all the time, just constantly a new crop of ripening apples. They could have eaten from this tree. And let me say this, every human being longs to eat from this tree. And every one of us that makes the right decisions will be able to eat of this tree for the rest of eternity. But you and I know the story. These guys made the wrong decision. These guys did the wrong thing. The serpent tempted them and they gave in, and they ate. And we know that sin entered the world, but you know the thing, in my opinion, that was even worse than that was for the first time, mankind felt separation from God, and that's the most awful thing. Imagine these guys, that's all they knew was God. And take a look at what happens in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, and it says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? This, in my opinion, is just an absolutely remarkable section of scripture and it shows the desire it shows the heart it shows the state of every human being that's ever born on this earth and i think it's fascinating when you see these guys were hiding in the trees hiding from god and it reminded me of a story this is a true story when i was in junior high um my dad worked a lot, so when he wasn't home, my mom had seven boys, my mom and dad. And it's tough, seven boys alone in a house with a mom. And as soon as I hit puberty, I, I just stopped listening to my mom. And, uh, and so she would try, and we just wouldn't listen. And so she used to always say, wait till your father comes home. And a lot of times it was an empty threat, and she'd forget, and when he came home, she wouldn't say anything. But one time I did something really bad, 
And the way she said it, I knew when dad came home, she was actually going to tell him. And uh, so I waited outside. I'm on the side of the house. And when I saw dad pull up, um, I ran to the backyard and we had a tree line with woods in the backyard. And I climbed my favorite tree. It was a really high tree. I climbed to the top. I saw dad get out of his car. I saw him walk in the house. I was looking into the kitchen window and I saw mom and dad talking and mom's moving her hands and I can tell it's about me. And, uh, and, and then I saw dad just like, okay, I got it. And he runs out, he comes into the backyard and he's screaming my name, Joe, Joe. And I'm like, I'm up in that tree and I'm not whispering. I'm not saying a word. I'm not saying anything. And uh, he's looking everywhere. He looks in the front yard, the backyard, the neighbor's yards. And then after whatever, five, ten minutes, he looks up by chance and he sees me in that tree. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm busted. And uh, he says, come out of that tree, son. And I said, Dad, I'll never come out of this tree till you disappear. I just am not coming out. He says, I'll wait here all night. I said, you can wait all night. I'll sleep up here. I said, I'll tie my arm with a belt to the tree and I'm going to just sleep here. And so he finally went in the house, and, and I waited a couple hours, and we had, we had our encounter. Uh, but he was a lot less mad when we had our encounter. It was just a better way of doing an encounter. Now, why do I share stories? Why did I share this story? Guys, I ran because of guilt. I ran into the tree before, because of guilt. And when Adam and Eve did what they did, it was the first time in their life that they felt shame and they felt guilt. And that's why they were afraid of God. And humanity's been afraid of God ever since. Humanity's been running from God ever since. And we get kind of close, but we kinda, it's always at arm's length. And, and God knew that, and that's what sin did. It brought this separation. And no matter who you are here today, whether you ha have a relationship with God or you don't, we still all deal with guilt and we deal with shame. And I want to help all of us take that to the next level and wash that away. And I want to take a moment and just explain to you why this is happening. And it's happening because what Adam and Eve did, it came upon all of us. Uh, that sin stained all of us. And take a look at this scripture. It's a very interesting scripture. It's in Romans 5 and verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam and Eve, and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. Now, sin is transferred from generation to generation, just like our genetic traits are. And if, if you would see a picture of me with my six brothers, um, you, you, would, you would know. We all look different, but you would say they're all Caminettis. There's just traits. I don't know how to describe it, but even though we look different, some look like my mom, some look like my dad's side, but, but you would know. Genetically, you see the traits that are in us. And guess what? Sin is not physical. It's more spiritual. But just like our genes are passed on, it's passed on from generation to generation. Mankind's problems began with a tree, man. And you and I are born with a problem. And we fight this thing our entire life, and it causes us to have shame and guilt, and we run away from God. And if you're here and you say, I'm not sure if I believe that, I can prove it without one scripture. I don't, I don't need a scripture to prove it. I can prove it in this way. For all of us that have ever had children, we've raised kids. And if you haven't, you, you were a kid, so you know this to be true. For all of us that have raised kids, have we ever sent them to school and special classes 
to learn how to disobey. Anybody in here? You're going to go to disobedience school, son. And uh, now I want to send you to selfishness school today. We have a special class for you. Have we ever had to do that with our kids? No, we, we're shocked sometimes at what they do, and we see what they do. And you know why? It's because sin passed to every single one of us. All of us are sin-stained. Now, myself, and some of you are in here, you were like me, myself, I was an Olympic-class sinner, and uh, I was at the highest level, uh, professional sinner, and, uh, and, and, and some of you were there with me, and others... Um, you were just casual sinners. You weren't all that bad. But all of us are sin-stained. And that sin-stained, it does the same thing to us as it did to Adam and Eve. And I have a couple scriptures I want to read to you about how mankind feels after Adam and Eve. It goes on. We all feel separated from God. And, and check this out. Romans 2.23, it says, For everyone has sinned. That's what we just talked about. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, if you study your Bibles, Catholic, Protestant, you'll see the same thing. God is holy. God is perfect. God's never sinned. And you and I are sin-stained. That's why we can't go to heaven when we die, and so there's only one place left, not a place any of us want to look forward to. And uh, so we want to we go to heaven, and while we're on this earth, we want to have this relationship with God, and, and we're separa separated because He's holy and and we're not. And so here's where I was before I met Christ. And this is Paul writing to the Christians in Ephesus. And it's where all of us were at one time. Ephesians 2.12 says this, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And I remember living my life in this way. But here's the good news. You ready for the good news? Mankind's problems began with a tree and ended on a tree. You know, our sins nailed him to the tree. Our sins cut him down. And what's so cool about it is that before God created Adam and Eve, he wanted them to be these free will beings that could make their own decisions. God made us so we can make decisions. And he knew they were going to make a mistake but he planned their redemption before they ever were created. That's pretty cool. And Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, they were sitting around and planning it, and Jesus said, I'll die for them. I'll take on a human form. I'll die for them. And even before he died, he was in the garden. Remember how he prayed and he was sweating tears? And, and Jesus said to God, if this cup can pass in any other way, let it pass. But he said, not my will, your will be done. And I think as he hung on that tree, of course, the physical pain had to be incredibly, incredibly terrible. But the most painful thing that happened on that tree is that God placed our sins on Jesus and God turned his back on his son. And that's why Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God did that for us. He turned us back on Jesus. Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins so that all that trouble that started with the tree could be fixed with this tree, the tree of the cross, and God could fix the relationship problem. He could deal with the shame problem. And what's interesting in Genesis where we read, uh, you know, when they hid from God, you know what God did? He killed 
several animals after that, and he made clothing from those animals, and he clothed Adam and Eve so their shame was covered. And you know what? Those animals are a type of Jesus dying on the cross. And God was shouting to mankind way back then, I have a way, and I'm going to send my son, and he's going to die for you. Now, here's what's cool about God. Sometimes we don't see this side of God, but God is pursuing us. All of us in here, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, no matter how you're connected with God, he's the God that pursues us. And that changes your life when you understand it, when you understand the passion in God to connect with you. I remember when our kids were young, we were traveling, and we were in the Dallas airport, and Joe, Joe Jr. was 12, Dave was 10, Michelle was 8, Deanna was 6. And I'm right at the gate, and the boys said, I have to go, we have to go to the bathroom. And I, I was a very protective parent, so I always kind of kept my eyes on them. I said, I'm, I'm in line, and, and Gina was busy with the girls. I said, okay. I said, it's right across the hall, and it was right across the hall from the death. I said, just, just go, and I'll keep my eyes on you. So Dave and Joe walk in, and my eyes are on that door. Then I had to eventually engage with the person behind the counter, and every moment I got, I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I don't know, five, six minutes passed, whatever it was, and I see Joe walking out, and he's, he's walking fast towards me. And I think, oh, no, Dave had an accident, and I felt so bad. And, and, uh, and so Joe comes up to me and says, Dave's gone. I go, he can't be. I had my eyes on there. I might have turned for just a second once or twice. I go, he has to be in there, Joe. So I, I, I run into that restroom, and I'm crying out, Dave, Dave, I'm calling his name. And I look, and I don't see him anywhere in that restaurant or in that restroom. So I come out, and I tell Gina, I said, Dave, Dave walked away. I said, we don't, I don't know where he is. So uh, she took the girls and went down one long hallway, corridor. I took the boy, uh, Joe, and I went down the other. And I'm looking in every bathroom, and I mean, I'm frantic. All I want to do is find my son. I, I lost my son. I want to find my son. C can you imagine how you'd feel as a parent? And, and I just want you to see how God feels. And I looked in every bathroom, every boy's bathroom I could. And then I went, came back, and Gina went one way. I went the other way, looked in every bathroom. Finally, we're back in front of our gate, and I call security. And, and I'm giving a report to security. They're going to begin to make announcements and look for Dave. And, and, and my stomach is just in knots. And, and all, I, I've run up and down. I've looked everywhere for him. And as I'm standing there talking with security, Dave comes walking out of the very bathroom that he walked into. And he has earbuds in and he's kind of like listening to music like this. And I run up to him. I go, Dave. I go, Dave, what are you doing? Where did you go? And he takes his earbuds out. He says, I've been in there the whole time. I said, I came in and cried, called your name, and you didn't answer. He goes, Dad, I, I had music on in my ears. I didn't hear you. I said, but I looked. I didn't see in the stalls. He said, Dad, my feet don't reach the floor. You wouldn't have saw any feet in there. I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we were so excited to be reconnected with our son, David. Just so excited. And I share that story just to give you just a level of feeling of the emotion of God, of how he's pursuing us, how bad he wants us. And for some of you that are like me, you're Christian, you know God, I want you to know that any shame or any guilt that you have, God's pursuing you. He wants to wipe that away. He wants to have a deeper connection with you. And for some of you that are like I was years ago, and you're just not sure if you know God, you're not sure if you have that connection, man, he's been pursuing you. You know why you're in this room today? Because he's pursuing you. You know why he died on the cross? Because he's pursuing you. You know why he came out of the grave and we're celebrating that today? Because he's pursuing you. And with that being said, 
Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's pray. Let's think about this pursuit as we pray. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. First, Father, for the Christians, those that know you. And Father, I just ask that from this day forward, they would see you as the God who pursues. Father, we thank you that our problems began with a tree, but mostly that they ended on the tree. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, connect us in a deeper way. Let shame and guilt not separate us from you any longer. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you can't remember a time, a day, a moment in your life where you made it real with Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one can come to God unless they go through me. And, and I love that because Jesus is saying, hey, I made it easy. I died for you. I came out of the grave. And all you have to do, Jesus said this, if you call on my name, I'll save you. He makes it real. He makes it real. And you're here, and I'm going to ask you to question, can you remember a day when you made it real? I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church, and I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby, and I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as an adult. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it real with God, when you prayed? I did it when I was 19. It was a life-changing day, and I want to give you a chance to do it today. So here, here's what you do. The Bible says if you call on your, His name, He'll save you. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day, but I'm ready today to make it personal. I believe he died for me. I, I believe he was cut down and raised from the grave for me. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in this room, would you help them pray? Just simply say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. And this day, I repent of all my sins. And I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you died for me that you came out of that grave. Today, I receive you as my Savior, and I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.